Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Amen. Well, it's been a fantastic weekend, hasn't it? From start to now, and there's still, still a little way to go to reach our endpoint, climatic moment. Um, let me just say this right at the beginning. Why, why have we focused this weekend on the Great Commission? For me, it's because um, of a concern that our, our great strength in, in doctrine and in, and in models of ministry uh, must never, ever, ever be at the expense of our devotion to the mission. I've really appreciated, I really appreciated um, the input yesterday from David and John was, was fantastic. Um, worship on Friday night was brilliant. Just praying now for, for gifts of Christ and for the elders um, is all a vital part of outworking our great commission. But it's what we look at next, which is the biggest part of all. And I want to read uh, us to read together 14 verses um, from a few different places, and they will all be on the screen behind me. We'll begin in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, and then we'll be going into Acts um, 1, 8, 4, 29, and 8, 1 to 4. So, Matthew 28, verse 18, reading from the Holman translation. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We know what happens next. Take you to Acts 4. The the disciples gather together, and um, uh, Peter and John have just been told they must not speak in in the name of Jesus anymore. the lame man's been raised up at the beautiful gate, but they go back to their own people in verse 23, to their own fellowship. And they, verse 24 says they, they raise their voices to God unanimously. And they pray this tremendous prayer. They say, verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your slaves, your servants, may speak your message with complete boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing signs and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again, and began to speak God's message with boldness. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and soul, And no one said that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. And with great 
power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. Chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Saul agreed with putting Stephen to death. And on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. But devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church and he would enter house after house and drag off men and women and put them in prison. So, those who were scattered went on their way proclaiming the message of good news. The whole of the book of Acts, many of us will be familiar with it, is a story of of great expansion to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and of great exploits by Peter and Paul and Barnabas and Apollos, Stephen and Philip, huge ministries whose role in the advance of the kingdom is is unmistakable, is indisputable, and, and in many ways is unique. But when we read carefully, we realize the world was turned upside down not just because of these great ministries, but because thousands and thousands of others played their unique part too. Like the cogs on the wheel, everybody has a part. And those, those verses in Acts 4, the, the prayer of the believers in Acts 4, is a great example of that teamwork. Listen to some of these words again. They raised their voices unanimously. And they were all filled with the Spirit. They all began to speak. They were of one heart and soul. They held everything in common. Great grace was on all of them. All of them. Great grace was on all of them. And as you read on in the book of Acts, you'll find many pivotal moments. I want to just call them moments of momentum. Of groundbreaking expansion of the kingdom. And and when we come to moments like, like these, I think we should stand back and ask some questions. How did the church in Jerusalem grow exponentially in Acts 6? How did the gospel go into Africa? Acts 8. How did Paul regain his sight? How was he baptized in the Spirit? Acts 9. How did Joppa experience resurrection power? Acts 9. Who was it that hosted Peter in readiness for his game-changing visit to Cornelius? Acts 9 and 10. How did the Philippian church get started? Acts 16. Who was it that risked their life for the gospel in Thessalonica? Acts 17. Who was it that got the momentum going in Corinth? Acts 18. And many questions like that. And I tell you, It was thanks to Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicolaus, an unnamed Ethiopian, disciples named Ananias and Dorcas, a man known as Simon the Tanner, a businesswoman named Lydia, men called Jason, Titus, Justus, and Crispus. (laughs) 
Who are they? What do they have in common? They're the vital cogs that make everything work. They're the essential parts. They are the ordinary heroes. Not big names. No extensive biographies of any of them. Some of them don't even have a name that we know of. But do you know what, folks? Without their words and actions, without their life and faithfulness, we would literally not be here today. Establishing the kingdom, fulfilling the Great Commission cannot be accomplished by a few. This weekend is a call to and onto all of us to play our part because Great Commission momentum is released only when hundreds of ordinary heroes get up, get out, and get going. This, this is a momentum moment for us. It's a time for an arising and a shining of men and women, of boys and girls, of youth, who know this is our day. This is our mission. This is our destiny. This is what we were born for, such a time as this. And do you know what? The clock is indeed ticking, but we are here to make our lives count. And I think if there's, if there's one verse that, that typifies the faith and the passion and the commitment to mission and the sheer anonymity of it all and the pivotal role they played, it's that verse in Acts 8, chapter 4. If we could put that up. There we go. Those who were scattered. They don't even have their names mentioned. Went on their way proclaiming the message of good news. Or, I love this translation in the message, forced to leave home base. We're not going to force anybody, by the way, but, <laughs> but he might. The followers of Jesus... No, let me retract that. We might force. I don't want to... I want to hold that option open. <laughs> the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. And wherever they were scattered, wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. Amen. I believe it's God's word to us, God's heart to us. I want us to look at the, this verse in a little bit more detail. It, first of all, it says, those who were scattered. Well, who were they? Who was it that was scattered? Who are those who were scattered? They are the same people that were gathered in Acts chapter 4. They were the same people who were baptized in the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. It's the church in Jerusalem. It's just a couple of years after Pentecost in terms of the timeline. So we know what they were like. They were filled with the Spirit, they were unanimous. They were of one heart and soul. They shared their possessions. They had great power working amongst them. There was great grace upon all of them. There wasn't a needy person amongst them. It was a wonderful, gathered church. Imagine living as part of that community. But their prayer in Acts 4 is a passionate, powerful 
plea that God would send them and use them and scatter them because their priority was the mission, not the meetings. Because their great community never, ever, ever caused them to lose sight of their great commission. Do you know, whether we are gathered together like this, or scattered, it doesn't have to be because of persecution, but when we're scattered, when we're across this region in our day-to-day activities, both those things are vital. That's the church all the time. We gather to worship, to learn, to break bread, to be refreshed, to be re-equipped, to be re-envisioned. But I love John's phrase yesterday, the meeting place is just the training place for the marketplace. I think I must have given that to him. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's mine now. It's in our... I'm really serious about this. It's in our scattering that the real action must take place. God has to scatter us, to mobilize us, to send us, to disperse us, to spread us out. I love our gatherings. I love this. Isn't this fantastic? I love it. I love our gatherings. There's no place like home. And we can have great impact. And as our numbers keep growing, we can't be ignored. Large churches are part of God's plan. But what happens here will never reach our regions. However big we are. Our meetings cannot take priority over our mission. And our great community must never keep us from our great commission. It's a revolution in our thinking, folks. The greatest impact in these days will be seeing the power and the potential of the scattered church in action. Salvation on the streets. Power in the parks. Miracles in the marketplace. Healings in our homes. Multitudes of missionaries, bold and courageous. This is the day of the ordinary hero. Jesus attracts people. Of course he does. He's so attractive. And when he's lifted up amongst us, he draws people to himself. So we should always invite people to be with us. We should always invite people to encounter him. We, We have to be highly invitational. Our doors wide open, removing every barrier we, we can think of to, that makes it difficult for the lost to come here and be found. But that's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to go. Yeah. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. It tells us the baptism in the Spirit is for mission to be witnesses and to think that the baptism in the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are mainly for meetings is to grieve Him terribly. He wants to send us out into all the world. He wants to give us tools for that. 
Jesus, heard us say this many times, Jesus never, ever, ever commanded the world to come to church. He commanded the church to go into the world and we need to change our mindset. We cannot wait for the world to come to our church. Our church must go into the world. We may attract many people on a Sunday and, and when we're gathered like this, but, but it will never match the thousands we influence each week when we're scattered. Salt has to be scattered. Light has to be dispersed. Disciples have to be sent out. And Jesus wants to tip us out of the nest. If we're going to turn our worlds upside down, we have to let him turn our church inside out. Will we be those who are scattered, folks? Will we be those who are scattered? It says they went on their way. Now we know these people were unanimous. And they were of one heart and soul. But when they went on their way, they didn't all go the same way. They each went a different way. Some to the north, some to the south, some to the east, some to the west. It simply tells us they went throughout Judea and Samaria. They all went on a different journey because they all had different lives. But they all lived with a great sense of destiny. When you read the beginning of that prayer in Acts chapter 4, they say, Lord, Master, you're the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of David, uh, and they explain, they, they quote from the Old Testament, they say, what's happened is only what you determined in advance. They had this tremendous sense of destiny, of, of predestiny, yes. of God having planned it, God having purposed it, it being in the will of God. And I believe they must have gone out knowing this is all part of the plan of God. They knew it was his plan. They knew it was his purpose that they were tipped out of the nest. I love the fact that we have different ways. All of us have a different way. I just want you to a moment to think about your way. Your way. Your town, your village. Your neighbours. Your friends. Your commute your place of work, your colleagues. Think about your life experiences, your past, your story, your challenges, your, your past challenges, maybe your present challenges, your opportunities. All of us different, so different. And isn't that what makes the scattered church so potent, so powerful, that between us, we can connect with multitudes. As we reach the end of this morning, I believe God wants to lay hands on all of us. God wants to lay His hands on all of us. Start to prepare yourself for that to happen. God wants to empower us, empower you to go on your way, in your way in your unique way, in your unique mission field, in your unique world. We reach many worlds. Hundreds of ordinary heroes, 
hundreds of ways, touching thousands of lives, the lost, the poor, the sick, the hurting, the disillusioned, the weary and the worn out, sheep without shepherds. Forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. No exceptions. I know some of you will feel daunted at that prospect. But it's why we're here. And honestly, you are more ready than you realize. Those who were scattered went on their way, proclaiming the message of good news. That word proclaim, it means to announce, to declare, to bring, and to show. And these people did not hold back. And it was simple. And it was powerful. I've recently uh, dug up again and, um, and, and, and re-found these words. This is, this is um, 65 years ago. A man named J.B. Phillips wrote a, a translation of the Bible. He called it the, the, the Bible in modern English. It's probably not modern English anymore. It's been, been uh, surpassed in time, but I don't think in quality. And this was his introduction, part of his introduction to his translation of the book of Acts, which he called the Young Church in Action. Okay, this is, this is part of what he says about it. The newborn church, having neither money and influence, nor power in the ordinary sense, is setting forth joyfully and courageously to win the pagan world to God through Christ. Here we are seeing the church in its first youth, valiant and unspoiled. It is vigorous and flexible, for these are the days before it ever became fat and short of breath through prosperity or muscle-bound by over-organization. Never before has any small body of ordinary people so moved the world that their enemies could say with tears of rage in their eyes that these men have turned their world upside down. The fresh air of heaven is plainly blowing. The fresh air of heaven is plainly blowing. And you don't need me to tell you that there has never been a more urgent, opportune time for us to proclaim good news. With our politics in chaos, our hospitals and surgeries at breaking point, a mental health crisis, sins and abominations normalized, education liberalized, much of the church compromised. What a day! What a need! for us to proclaim good news. What, what does today tell us? It tells us the fields are white for harvest. The harvest is ready. It's here and now. And, and our most urgent need is to get out into the fields, as John said yesterday, to get our nets ready and to see hundreds of people saved and added in great number. The Great Commission is not a topic for a season. It's why we're alive, folks. 
And I'm not satisfied. We can't be satisfied with a few hundred members, with visitors every Sunday, with 1,500 people in our meetings at Christmas. I love that, but I'm not satisfied with it because God wants to lay hold of us and mobilize us and send us out and get us ready for daily addition. I'm never letting hold of that. That's the biblical standard. Daily addition. People saved and added every day. Nothing less is properly biblical. How do we get from here to there? As John said yesterday, we have to care enough about people's lostness. I was challenged. It has to really bother us, move us, that people are lost and going to hell, which is real, and is where all who reject Jesus will spend eternity, folks. We have to be concerned about people's lostness. And we have to go. Those who were scattered went on their way proclaiming the message of good news. The followers of Jesus all became missionaries And wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. This is our good news. God loves the world he made. But he hates the sin that's infected it. Sin separates men from God in this life and destines them to eternity in hell. But he sent Jesus to free us from sin and to restore us to himself. And Jesus lived and died and he rose again. And he's alive and he conquered sin and sickness and he destroyed death and he totally defeated the the devil and his demonic forces. And he established his kingdom on earth, his reign, his rule. And it's his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And therefore the sinner is forgiven and the sick are healed and the poor are lifted up and the depressed find hope and the lost come home and the lonely find a family and everyone finds hope and purpose. Because he's saviour, he's healer, he's deliverer, he's provider, he's liberator, and his church is being restored and made ready for his return. This is our good news. It says those in Acts 4, they, they cried out unanimously, and there's a little word that we must not miss. It says, for complete boldness. Yours might say, for all boldness. All boldness, complete boldness. It says they were filled with the Spirit. Everyone was of one heart and mind and held everything in common. That word complete or all boldness, it means any and every kind of boldness. I don't know what kind you need today. I can think of some of the kinds of boldness I need. Maybe it's boldness to overcome some fears, some anxieties. Boldness to not be intimidated, boldness to go further with the gifts of the Spirit, boldness to get started in some of these things, boldness to speak to family and friends, boldness at work, boldness at the gym, boldness walking the dog. All kinds of boldness are available to us today. They were filled with, uh, they cried out for complete boldness. They were all filled with the Spirit. They were of one heart and mind. They held everything in common. They knew great power and great grace. That's what this church was like. So imagine the impact when they were scattered. 
One heart, one spirit, one generous culture, one great power, one great grace, but now carried by multitudes and spread wherever they went, changing the landscape. Look around this room. Have a good, good look. It's, it's quite full. Have a good look. And as you look, imagine the impact when our great church is scattered, is mobilized, is dispersed in hundreds of different ways into hundreds of different worlds. We go with power because He's alive. It's a partnership with the Spirit. I love the fact they prayed that they would be bold in their witness and they asked Him to be big in His wonders. It was a partnership. We'll be bold in witness, Lord. Would you be big in your wonders? Let's do this together. And God loves to answer a prayer like that because He wants the world to see and hear. It's the greatest thing we can give our lives to. And the harvest we long for Just raise your hand if you long to see a great harvest. The harvest that we, with our hands raised, long for won't result from a move of God in the church so much as a move by the church into the world. We've got to go, folks, proclaiming good news in the north, from here to Colville and beyond to Nottinghamshire, in the south, from here to Lutterworth and beyond to Leamington and to Africa. In the east, from here to Market Harbour and beyond to Corby and Northamptonshire and Europe. And in the west, from here to Atherston and Tamworth and across the Atlantic Ocean. Hallelujah. You didn't know all that, did you? There's lots that's happening. I'm so blessed with the churches healthy and joyful and peaceful. Things are going well. People are being saved in Tamworth. Colville's moving to meet more frequently. In churches, in Kenya, churches are asking to be joined with our family of churches. There's lots of great things happening, but there's lots to do. Mike Shooter has a heart for Earl Shilton. There's heart in this house for offering bereavement support, of being a church where kids can find safe families. Ovi and Laura uh, have a heart to reach the Romanian community, and we'll start a group in Atherstone for that purpose soon. I'm trusting we will launch something in Leamington Spa next year. We want to gather those who are in there in between 40 and 59 just put your hand up if you're somewhere in that category. Obviously, I'm not. But, uh, this is for you folks. We're going to call this Magnificent. This group will be called Magnificent. We've got our powerhouse group. We want the middle years to be magnificent. We don't want anybody getting flabby in their middle years in any way, including spiritually. We want these to be the best years of your life Amen. where all the things God's spoken to you and is stirring you come to pass magnificently. Magnificent Amen. middle years. That's right. And if you'd like to be 
to start joining together to think about that. This says Powerhouse 40 on it, but, but just this is the magnificent board. If you're age 40 to 59, sign up at the end. We're going to join for lunch together on Sunday, the 27th of October, which is a few weeks from now. We'll say more about it then. That'll be available at the end. So there's lots happening. I'm really stirred with what I heard yesterday. We need to train people. We need to be way better at that. We need to think about how we reach the poor in our community. I'd like to follow up with some of those things in a couple of weeks' time when I'm next sharing. I went back to a word Erling brought to me in November. He said, what you've experienced of the harvest is only a foretaste. Only a foretaste. And I want to ask you folks, are you plugged in? Are you where you need to be? Are you observing from the stands? Watching others, spectating, wasting your life? Or are you playing your part in the Great Commission? Do you need to move to Colville or Tamworth area? Do you need to be God, do you need to let God stir you in something? In all that's happening, in all that's stirring, throw yourself in. The clock is ticking. The followers of Jesus all became missionaries, and wherever they went, wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. I wanted to make this as, as practical and doable as possible. So if this is still underneath you, can you pull it out? This is for you to keep and to work with. North, south, east and west, there's a compass on the front. It reminds us we're to go into all the world. North, south, east and west. The the front is the green side, the back is the blue side, but it doesn't really matter. When you turn it over, there's there's some phrases there. N-S-E-W, north, south, east, west. I think if we could commit ourselves to these four things, we will start to hear great testimony of what God's doing. N, never think you're nobody. You're called, you're chosen to be a missionary. We need you from the youngest to oldest, from the newest to the oldest. If you know him, as our YWAM friends will say, if you know him, you can make him known. The calling on your life is, is for more than serving on a rotor on a Sunday. You're made in his image to rule and to reign, to have authority, to be filled with his compassion, to be somebody very special in the lives of others. You're not a nobody. You're somebody very special in the lives of others. You're a shepherd to lost sheep along your way. You're a good friend. You're a peacemaker. You're a, you're a lifesaver. Therefore, you're an ordinary hero. You're a breath of fresh air. You're a breath of heaven's air. There's another end, though, which is this. Never leave home naked. Never, never think you're nobody. And never leave home naked. Start the day. Let him clothe you. 
Let him fill you. Let him, let him answer your prayer for boldness. Tell him you're available every day. I want to do this every day. I want to begin my days, my days with a prayer that says, Lord, David, David said yesterday, sit in your chair. Sit in your chair, folks, every morning. Let's all do this. And say, Lord, thank you for this new day in your kingdom. Thank you for all you've planned and predestined for today. Thank you for everyone I'll meet. May I know your love and compassion for them. Pray for them by name. Some of them, you'll know you're going to meet them. Pray for them in advance. Lord, use me, empower me, embolden me. Make my life a masterpiece today. Never think you're nobody. Secondly, Do you think we could do this every day? So something special. You and I can't save anybody. So the pressure's off. Okay? Can't save anybody. But we can sow something special every day. And it can lead people towards Jesus. I was in in a meeting uh, last week where somebody said it's like a clock face. Everybody's, Everybody's... somewhere on a clock face and and every time we we sow something we move them a bit further around the clock face and some people will be at 10 past and it will move them to quarter past others will be at half past and it moves them to 25 two but others will be at five two and it moves them straight round to give their lives to Jesus but everything we sow can move somebody closer to Jesus often what we sow will be small and simple Acts of kindness, of generosity, acts of love and care and compassion, a monetary gift. Send a text. Good responses? Yeah, yeah of course. It's like John said, isn't it? Send it. Why, why don't you say every day, like, I'm going to send a text to somebody, just telling them I'm thinking of them, asking to pray for them. Send a text. Share your life. Value individuals. Jesus went out of his way to meet just one person at times, the woman at the well. He just went out of his way to meet her. It's a fantastic adventure of sowing something every day in partnership with the Spirit. And Jesus isn't looking for fully mature Christians. He just wants ordinary heroes who will step out and sow and will respond to the opportunities God gives them because they prayed that prayer in the morning. E, express eternal hope. Do you know what? In a world of of fake news and social media cruelty and a cynicism and, and chaos and confusion, fear and anxiety. One of the most powerful gifts we have is our hope. It defines us. We're defined by good news. Therefore, we don't think, we don't have the same perspective of, of, of others. And I believe we need to speak up and let our voice be heard. And around the, around the coffee machine at work, say, I hey, know I don't believe that. That's not how I see things. That's not my experience. I don't see it that way. We were encouraged yesterday to, to, tell, to ask questions and tell stories, to speak to people and to do so knowing, uh, what was the word John brought us? We cannot be harmed as we speak out. Your hope, I found this in my workplace, my hope changed my environment. You found that? Your hopefulness changes things around you, changes the atmosphere around you. And people soon, steam, soon start to ask you why you have that hope. Be a voice of hope, eternal hope. Express eternal hope every day. And fourthly, 
Let me finish with this. Be willing to work wonders. Well, to be part of the process. He works the wonders. We, we begin every day saying, Lord, thank you that I'm somebody, somebody special in the lives of others today. Help me today to sow something special, to express eternal hope. And Lord, I'm willing to be part of you working wonders. To listen to the Spirit. And the simplest things we can do is pray for the sick. It's over and over again in the Bible the most common way a conversation starts and a person, a family, or a town gets saved. It's the most widespread need we live amongst. And we can offer to pray for the sick. And we can pray for them. And Jesus heals them. Our task is to offer to pray, to overcome our nerves, to be a good friend and to watch God move. So I mean, I'm encouraging you to use this every day. Let's start tomorrow. And let's wait for testimonies to flow in of what God's doing as we give ourselves a little bit to the Great Commission. Imagine the impact of gathering in power every weekend and being scattered with multiplied power in between. In Acts 9, verses you've heard many times, in the Amplified it says this, when Jesus saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed and distressed and dejected and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is indeed plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to force out and thrust laborers into his harvest. A lot's going to change in our lives in the next five years. A lot's going to change in our nation in the next five years. But I pray the biggest change of all, the greatest impact of all, will be the arising and the shining of the hundreds of ordinary heroes that are part of this great church. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.